This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Of all the gifts that tennis has given me over the years, the greatest, without a doubt, has been the people I've met along the way. My friends, my competitors, and most of all the fans who give the sport its life. Today, I want to share some news with all of you. As many of you know, the past three years have presented me with challenges in the form of injuries and surgeries. I've worked hard to return to full competitive form, But I also know my body's capacities and limits and its message to me lately has been clear. I am 41 years old. I've played more than 1,500 matches over 24 years. Tennis has treated me more generously than I ever would have dreamt. And now I must recognize when it is time to end my competitive career. The Labour Cup next week in London will be my final ATP event. I will play more tennis in the future, of course, but just not in Grand Slams or on the tour. This is a bittersweet decision because I will miss everything the tour has given me. But at the same time, there is so much to celebrate. I consider myself one of the most fortunate people on earth. I was given a special talent to play tennis and I did it at a level that I never imagined for much longer than I ever thought possible. When my love of tennis started, I was a ball kid in my hometown of Basel. I used to watch the players with a sense of wonder. They were like giants to me and I began to dream. My dreams led me to work harder and I started to believe in myself. Some success brought me confidence, and I was on my way to the most amazing journey that has led to this day. So I want to thank you all from the bottom of my heart to everyone around the world who has helped make the dreams of a young Swiss ball kid come true. Finally, to the game of tennis, I love you and will never leave you. There you go. A great man himself, Roger Federer, speaking after retiring at the age of 41 from tennis, uh, not having been able to play for a while due to those injuries. Uh, just never be, was able to quite get back. I think everybody wanted to see a swan song potentially uh, at Wimbledon, but not to be. So Roger Federer, one of the true greats, bowing out of the sport at 41. Jeff Simpson, former New Zealand Davis Cup captain, joins us now to talk about that and a few other things as well. Uh, good afternoon, Jeff. How are you? I'm good, thanks, Ricardo. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. Good. Uh, we've we've lost another great uh, Serena. Not uh, only a couple of weeks ago. Now Roger has decided he's not going to be able to get back and compete. Um, maybe not a massive surprise, but uh, I guess a bit sad to hear. Anyway, you kind of always thought, held out that hope that he might come back for one last hurrah. Yeah, I think it's a. It's as he said, it's a bit of sweet too. I mean, I think. He'd been out for so long, and it would have been really, really hard, as he said, at his age, um, you know, to be competitive um, with a new group coming through, and just that long without real matches is, is a pretty tough ask. And I think, you know, 41, I think it's good to see him go out, and we can remember him how he was, rather than going out and, you know, dare I say, you know, you know, losing. And you know, I think the memory we have of him now going out is that he was great. And that's what we'll remember him by. Mm, yeah, we will. We'll remember him that way indeed. Uh, it's interesting. I mean, you know, there's always that 
you talk Federer, then the you know you always think Nadal, and if you think Nadal, then you think Djokovic, and those three I think will ever uh, be linked. And there's always those conversations about who was the best, who was the greatest, etc. Um, Hugh Bainan told me once, who's a big Roger fan, to be fair, uh, that uh, Novak might be the winningest, but Roger was the greatest, um, which I thought summed it up quite nicely. Where, where are you on that argument? Well, I think they all, as you said, they're all great in their own way. And I think probably Roger, probably because of the way he played, he played an all-court game. He could serve and volley. He comes to the net, he drops shots. And you know, he had quite a lot of flair, whereas, you know, Rafa was one of these guys that, you know, he gets the ball back and he's just like never, never gives up. And, you know, he's really, really hard to beat. You know, he's like a dog with a bone. And then, you know, Djokovic is, you know, a great, you know, baseliner, gets the ball early, you know, ground stroker more or less. And they're all three different players. But I think the, the way people love Roger was, you know, of course he... He had his most wins at Wimbledon where he won eight and that brought out his flair a lot. And um, he always said that, you know, Wimbledon was the, the sort of the tournament that he really looked up to as a, as a young guy. And, he, you know, he's he's had eight out of his 20 Grand Slams there and he's he's had some fantastic moments there. But I think it's probably his flair of his game. And, his, you know, when he played, he just got on with it. You know, there was no histrionics with him. If he won, he accepted gracefully. If he lost, he accepted gracefully. And... You know, he's a, he's a really, really good role model for the sport. I guess, and that's maybe where he's different to, say, a Djokovic. There hasn't been any off, off-court off controversy. Yeah, I know. And, you know, people, he was a real traditionist, you know, especially at Wimbledon, which he loved a lot. And, you know, he embraced the tradition. He came out, you know, in those years with those jackets and those things. And, you know, he, he respected that. Whereas, you know, today you see... You know, for example, Nick Kyrgios in the final, it's all white, and then he goes to have the presentation, he puts on his red hat, you know, just to be the different person, whereas, you know, you admire somebody like Roger because he respects the tradition and respects how how it is, and um, I think that's where he, he gets a lot of fans. He doesn't sort of, you know, he doesn't, you know... Um, What's the word? Um, he embraces. He embraces what he, you know, the the, the culture of, or the tradition of the whole thing, and I think that's really respectful and good. In terms of, I mean, you know, you played against a lot of very good players in your time, Jeff, and you've seen a, a lot more as well. But I mean, in terms of guys like McEnroe and Connors and Becker and people like that, where does he sit for you in terms of his his all round game? Well, I mean. I think you've got to take it over a lot of things too. You take it over a lifespan of how long he could play without injury, which is great. I mean, I was looking the other day at it. Um, you know, I think he won his 20 Grand Slams over 15 years, which is, I think his first one was in, I was going to say, I think it was in about 2003. And his last one, I think, was 2018. So, you know, that's that's pretty phenomenal. Whereas Rafa has won... You know, his 22 over 17 years, I think. And Djokovic has won his 21 over 14 years. But I feel with the way he plays, Roger, is probably the more um, the excitement and what he could do. Um, and, and you know, how, you know how, how he competed all, that, all those years um, with no injuries, really, except right at the end. And I think that's a telling thing that... Um, you know, sort of makes them great is that their their physical attributes, their competitive attributes, you know, getting up all the time. But I think 
probably one of the cruelest things that I have seen for Roger was, you know, I think at Wimbledon that year when he was up 9-8 in the fifth, um, 40-15 against Djokovic, going for his 21st Grand Slam, and Djokovic was able to come back and win it. I thought, you know, that would have been a great way for him to go out to win the Wimbledon title. But, um, you know, he's he accepted it really gracefully and just got on with it and kept going. And um, that's a mark of a real champion. Mm, yeah, I think a champion is a the best way to the best way to put it, mate. He'll he'll be remembered fondly yeah. by a lot of people, I think. You yeah. know. Yeah, I mean, as you said, you know, how do you compare these these guys? They're all from different eras. They're all great. You know, Connors was a great player. He's a great competitor. Borg was a great player. McEnroe was a great player. They're all all in their own way. They're great, and it's just very hard to sort of you know pick one above the other, but. You know, I think as you as you see, I think at the end of the day, I guess they'll all be judged on who wins the most Grand Slams. Mm. That'll be who will be the greatest. Yeah, I mean now, uh, I, I think Nadal's picked up another injury, and we saw him bow out of the U.S. Open when we didn't. Uh, Djokovic, due to his yeah. uh, choices, shall we say, uh, wasn't able to compete in the U.S. Open. Um, is that is that the end of the big three? Do you think we'll ever see any of those three? I mean, obviously Roger won't, but do you think we'll ever see the, any of the other two ever win a Grand Slam again? Or, or are they done now and we're, we've got this next generation? Well, we can never say they're done because you just don't know how they're going to, you know, how they're going to react. But it does get harder and harder the longer you stay out, especially when you see the likes of the Alcarazes coming up, the Sinners. Um, you know, these guys are really, really good tennis players. And, um, for them to come out and do battle with that with that youth is going to be going to be tough. And mm-hmm. so, the likelihood you're probably right. The likelihood of them winning uh, Grand Slams in the future is a, a, a lot slimmer. Probably Djokovic because you know he he's the uh, you know he's in supreme physical shape. Um, and he's only had a couple of injuries in his life, and um, you know he's a great player. So you, know, you wouldn't probably write him out at this stage. But I just think the longer they're out the harder it's going to get but I just I understand that Djokovic is now allowed to play the Australian Open and that's the one that he's been the most successful at I think he's got nine titles there um, so you know this will this next one we'll be able to see whether he's going to be able to weather the storm of those younger guys coming through um, mm. and that's what you know obviously we're Really excited to see if he can do that. Yeah, yeah, indeed. All right, mate. Um, well, now we've covered off that. We should talk uh, actual uh, Davis Cup as well because the New Zealand Davis Cup team has been in action in World Group Stage One. It hasn't gone well. We've lost five zip to Finland, um, but Kelly Evenden is a is a new ish Davis Cup captain. And I was looking at the team, and there was a lot of big names missing, wasn't there? I mean, there was no Marcus Daniel, no Ruben Statham. Uh, I don't think Fintani was there either. Um, so there's a couple of new names in that team, and it was this this was kind of almost one uh, for the future, giving guys like um, uh, Panu and Rai a bit of an opportunity. Yeah, well, they have to do it sometimes, um, I guess. But you know, like it's hard to be really competitive when you know, especially at tennis at that level, when you're playing guys, you know, the top guys in the top fifty. I think the second guy was around 200 and our guys are 600 plus, you know, so, and playing at home, you know, on the surface that they want to play on, it's a, it, is, it was a tall ask. And I think what the guys can hopefully, if they reflect on it, can take out of it is, is just how good 
that level of competition is and if they want to play at that you know to get up to that level you know what they really need to do and um and it can be a lot. It can be a great learning um, tool for them if they can, you know, realise what they need. And I'm sure Kelly's there. He's had a lot of experience. Um, he can help guide them through that. Um, I believe Marcus Daniel. He's a doubles player, of course. Um, so Arden Seatac was the guy that came in um, instead of him. But I, I think he's had some injuries and he's been out. Um, Ruben Statham. Um, I understand he didn't want to play. Um, so, yeah, so it's probably that time where, you know, there is a changeover and they've got to start to build a, a younger team. And it's great that those guys have had that experience and hopefully Kelly can help them learn their way through that and, and get them out on the tour and play lots of matches at that higher level. What about, um, you know, I mean, we, we were three zip down, of course. We lost the doubles, which was probably our best chance of getting a win with Michael Venus and Artem Sitek together. So uh, an opportunity was given to uh, another member of the squad, and Isaac Beecroft, to play the dead rubber. Uh, he lost that 6-2, 6-1. But, you know, Isaac Beecroft, um, Kitapal Panu, not names that I know particularly well. Can you give us a bit of background on these guys and what sort of players they are? Yeah, well, Isaac's a younger player coming through. He did win our, our national title, uh, and then he went, he's been to college, and so he's just come out of college now. Um, and so he went the college route, and most of it, most of our guys will go that route because it is expensive to get out on the tour, so they get a lot of playing experience, and plus they sort of cover their bets where they can you know, also get an education, and I think Pano has been exactly the same. Um, so those are the younger guys coming through. It's... It's hard today, as you can imagine, the cost of keeping players out on the circuit. And you know, we've in the past, you've got the futures first, you've got to go through, then you've got to go to the challenges, and then you get to the ATP Tour. And unfortunately, a lot of our guys sort of get stuck in that futures route, and they don't get the opportunity to play, um, you know, those top players all the time. So, you know, it's to get out of those futures and up into those challenges and then straight up into those ATP Tour where they can sort of, you know, get their game going, play those, play that top competition all the time where they can learn and be tested. Um, you know, we were fortunate with years ago with the likes of Kelly and Brett Stephen, our last guys up there, Alistair Hunt, is that, you know, those guys got into that tour, you know, relatively quickly and they broke through and um, that's why they were able to get up to 30 in the world and, you know, we were quite successful at Davis Cup in those days. Um, but it's getting players into that group and, you know, the gap between a, an ATP Tour player and a Futures player is just huge. And um, unfortunately, that's where we are and that's where we've got to try and get these players out of there. Yeah, good stuff, Jeff. Hey, listen, thanks for yeah. coming on, mate, and having a chat. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday, yeah. Arvo, eh? Yeah, OK, Ricardo, thanks very much. Thank you. Uh, Jeff Simpson there with okay. us. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.